here we are. Hello, everybody. And it's another episode of the Robcast. And uh, we're sitting here at our table. Coming to you from the kitchen table. Yes. Kristen Bell, Rob Bell. And uh, it is day seven of whatever this is. Yes, of whatever this is. And I wonder at what point we will stop counting. I have a feeling at some point we're going to stop counting. Yeah. I actually thought we, uh, you know, I was thinking about what we should call this episode. Ever, how, how's this for a title? Ever so gradually finding a groove. Okay. You know what I mean? Just, just I just want to put that, like, I just want to pin that up on the board for you there. Ever so gradually finding a groove. Because, you know, I talked about how this virus and all of the changes and stuff were like such a massive upheaval and unsettling disruption. And then gradually, whatever this new state we're all in, we, we, there'll, there'll be some groove in it, even as unsettling and disturbing as it is. And you've, we've been talking about that the past couple of days. Like what will it be like to have all the kids here? What will it be like to not go through all the normal routines? Right. Finding a new normal. There'll be some new abnormal normal. Right. Everything got turned upside down. Right. Lots of things are still uncertain. Right. But in that, um, I, I think it's, again, one of those things about being human. Yeah. We find our routines. We find our new normals. Like the new pattern, the new rituals in that. I was thinking about... Uh, we're sending love to all of you who are listening and thinking about how the massive spectrum right now that people are experiencing, because for some, it's like all of a sudden works. Nobody's going into work. Nobody's going into school. Nobody's going to the tennis practice, whatever that is. You know what I mean? It's like full shutdown. All of a sudden it's like a giant snow day. Everybody's just in the house, not going anywhere. But then for others, it isn't inactivity, it's more activity than ever. Healthcare right. workers, um, people like literally getting food on shelves in grocery stores. This is... Or schools trying to figure out how to feed kids right, who right. are part of the free lunch program. Exactly. So uh, I can only imagine all of our friends who are listening could be anything from like a brand new f phase of inactivity all the way to like overstimulated, underslept, right? Hyperactivity, pressure, Lots stress. Lots of stress. So, uh, the two of us, we're just sending you grace and peace and love because this this has us all over the place, right? And it does people. seem like the best reminder during this time is to give ourselves lots of grace. Oh. Yeah, um, grace, because it's going to grace. take it's going to take some time to figure it out. So if your emotions aren't steady, if you're uh, if you can't find your footing, if you can't find your routine, I saw a really good great thing um, yesterday. Just letting parents off the hook, like yeah, like this is tough. All of a sudden, kids are home, and we don't know how long they're going to be home, and um, it's going to take a little while for everyone to figure out how to do this. So, you know, if your kid has extra screen time, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> it's okay right now. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about our kids breaking new, new rules. I mean, right. like it is new a, levels of screen time. Actually, it is. There weren't a, even rules in the first place, but anyway. It's a tiny bit funny. 
because we have tried so hard to limit screen time. Do you know what I mean for our daughter? Yeah. And now it's the only way that she can connect with her friends right. is on the computer, Wait. on FaceTime, <laughs> when, um, in a Zoom chat, whatever. I love the fact that she's using Zoom, which I've used for like interviews and like stuff with my work. And suddenly she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, so-and-so, he texted us all the password for the meeting. And then we all, 10 years old, we all logged in. Right, right. <laughs> 10 year olds like I'll text you the I'll text you the So now code. all of a sudden I'm like happy <laughs> that she has these friends that Absolutely. she can connect with. Yeah, very strange. Um how that works. On a screen. Yeah, thank God for screens. And you know what? All parents everywhere, let's just all say it together. Thank God for screens. <laughs> all of you who are all anxious about your kids' screen time. I don't know. They're spending too much Minecraft, too much Fortnite. Now you're like, thank God for these screens. And, and we're going to recover. We're going to get through this. <laughs> and we're going to recover. And um, oh, that is funny. We can balance it out later. Uh, well, it's funny that she and I have been doing bike rides um, at night. At night in the rain, the past couple like nights. Bike rides. So it's like the screen time has her... The flip side is she wants to be outside more than For ever. breaks. And like after this episode, we'll go outside and do something because um, it's like it's almost like just give the kid as much screen time as they want and then they'll get like full and then they'll want to do all the things <laughs> yeah, maybe. that you wish they were doing. Okay, um, let's talk about this episode. You have, uh, once again, I see your, your trusty notebook. So I'm, um, I'm really looking forward to what you have in your notebook. Well, at the end of the last podcast, uh, you mentioned the word grounding. I did that again. So I have been reflecting on that word. I throw out a word like we should talk about that next time. And now we're committed. So grounding. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. And it's it's an interesting word because it feels like it's one of those words that's popped up in our vocabulary yeah. more and more and hasn't really been defined Um so I'm just, I have some thoughts on what I think grounding is. Um, and the first, I have two words, two main words. And the first word is be, B-E. So to me, gra being grounded is about um, being centered in being rather than doing. Yeah. So it's the idea of turning off the activity in our heads, turning off the activity in our bodies, accomplishing things, um, sitting without any idea of what we're going to gain from it, which is very countercultural um, in our culture. Uh, we tend to just be wired for accomplishment. Yes. Even with something like meditation, I've found, especially um, in the beginning, I think I got into it and other people get into it because of what it will add to your life, what, what, what you will achieve or um, you'll have a calmer mind or you'll have better focus and concentration. And all of that is great, but there is a whole other side to why we practice meditation. It's the idea of practicing being and turning off the doing part. Yeah, and there's a long history of the relationship between being and doing and time itself and space-time. 
because for many people, can I riff by the way on what you just yes, said? Yes, please. For many people, their fundamental relationship with time is what time produces. So uh, you go to work and that many X number hours of work produces this amount of money, which produces this amount of rent, groceries, mortgage, gas, clothes, insurance, whatever. Um, and so for many, especially in the modern world, especially with the birth of the industrial revolution, where you suddenly had people working a certain amount of hours for a certain amount of pay, which was a brand new idea. It's only recently in human history that your time even was given a monetary value. That's a brand new idea. And so for many people, the only way to think about time is what do you get out of it? As opposed to time is just something that you are in that doesn't owe you anything and that isn't measured by what it can produce for you. Which you think about the moments, the most meaningful moments in life are always moments when we lose track of time. We're just with each right. other. We're just present to each other. Right, and that's another word I feel like that has popped up in our vocabulary is the idea of flow. That, I, oh, that right. idea of flow is you lose track of time. Like you're so absorbed in what you're doing. Time doesn't matter. Yes. By the way, I had two words. Can I talk about one of my words here? Or are you going to keep going with this word? Because I have my word connects. If it connects. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, it, if you can prove. <laughs> Show me the connection. That there is some cohesion, Rob Bell. Um, there's an interesting experiment that I've um, been doing because it helps me. Because it was floated recently uh, past couple of days in the headlines, there's been a, hey, everybody's going to be on lockdown until probably August, which you and I had talked about how that, I just go Apple rainbow death wheel on that. Like I, my screen just goes blank. Right. At the idea that this mode that we're all finding ourselves in, we're here for the, all the way through the summer. Maybe. What? Right, 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 right. Okay. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that purposely, that that, that hit the news in a couple of different headlines, we might be here. Now, I'm uh -huh. not giving you any factual basis or that's whatever that is I remember reading that somebody had said that and it was like mm, mm, no I can't do that it's like unbearable at some level right, right. even though there's real unbearable things happening right now I know for many of people part of what's happening right now is how long is this going to go on right. but at the same time all of us want to be more present like everywhere you go, people are talking, I just want to be fully present. This, um, this realization that the cell phone connects us with somebody on their side of the planet, but disconnects us with the person across the table at lunch. Right, it prevents so, being. So we all want to be more present and being present involves our relationship with time and being present involves being here and now. So we all want to be more present, but the moment we hear that we could be in this sort of lockdown for a really long time. It sends like a, like a shiver, like an existential panic. Like, I don't know if I could, like a cooped up claustrophobic, I don't know if I could do that. The only way we're going to get through this is one day. 
Right. And then the next day. Which makes and then the next day. Which makes life right now a really interesting practice. It's like if your desire is to be more in the moment. Yes. There then we go. Every time you panic about the future. Right. Is an it's an invitation to return to the present moment. And this this includes work, money, uh, future. Everything like I obviously had to cancel all my stuff in the next couple of months. Um, to be here now, and whatever there is right in front of us right now, right? Because it's actually all we have. Yes. So in some weird upside down way, this virus, which is also a tragedy. I mean, people are like literally dying. This is, and we have no idea what we're headed into. So stating all of that and acknowledging all of that, this thing is also forcing so many of us to be right here, right now. To allow this nowhere life, else. T- this experience to be a practice. Yeah. Yeah. And that like... Um, we, you and I use the word musculature a lot that can be like brand new muscles. Right. Um, essentially, that that thought pops in your head that there's nothing you can do about this particular reality right now. You don't know. That thing is scheduled for the end of June. You don't know. So you have to like literally build the muscles to put it on some shelf in your mind or something. There's nothing I can do about it then. I can only be right here. Right. So that I'm going to put that on the shelf. I'm going to put that in storage. I'm going to put that on... Right. On the hard drive, whatever it is. I'm going to like whatever image you come up with to deal with the thoughts that pull you out of this moment. Um, right. And like sometimes a, there are some very practical things that you can start doing and you can start noticing which practical things help you put those thoughts, you know, release yeah. those thoughts um, and which aren't helpful. But um I mean, sometimes it sometimes it helps to write it out and then let it go. You know yeah. what I mean? Like get it all yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes it helps to engage in like a breathing practice um, because the breathing does slow down the mind. It slows down the whole system. Um, yeah, I think there there are some very practical things. Um, I actually was going to ask you to uh, because as i was thinking about this word be and being um oh yeah yeah i remembered we were just talking about uh, moses oh yeah yeah going up to the top of the mountain so i was wondering if you could oh right right there's this great old story this great old story <laughs> there's this story about moses he goes up on the mountain but what's interesting is the story is originally told in hebrew and in hebrew it says moses went up on top of it literally reads more or less, Moses went up on top of the mountain and then he was on top of the mountain. And the ancient sages say, why does the text say that he went up on the mountain and then he was on top of the mountain? If he went up on top of the mountain, where else would he be but on top of the mountain? Um, And then they add, it says that he went up on top of the mountain and then he was on top of the mountain because he's present on top of the mountain. And most of the human experience is you exert all this energy and spend all this time climbing to the top of the mountain. And as soon as you reach the top of the mountain, you 
start climbing back down. But the story is about presence. Right. So he needed the instruction twice. It's like go to the top, on of, the top mountain, of the mountain and then be on top of the mountain. And then once you're on top of the mountain, be on top of the mountain. Because that's actually the thing that everybody wants. You know, obviously Einstein started talking uh, roughly 100 years ago. Um, some would say he's the first to really popularize that time is a persistent illusion was his famous line. This reality that time is bendy and flexible. So if a person is standing on the ground wearing a watch and a person on an airplane wears a watch, uh, the person in an airplane will land and their watch will be running slightly faster than the watch of the person on earth, even if they both started the same, slightly, because time is not a constant. We tend to think of time as an absolute eternal, but it's not. Time is flexible and time is directly related to gravity. So the, you put a clock on top of a tower, have a clock at the exact same time at the bottom of the tower, the clock at the top of the tower will run slightly faster because our notions of time are, are absolute, but that time is not actually absolute. And so there actually isn't past, present, future. Is this riff? Are we okay with this riff? Yeah, go. I'm enjoying it. Um, our ideas of past, present, and future are, they're not imaginations, but they're what the mind sort of needs to make sense of life. But what we now know is that time is, is much more, time is just a thing. It's like a, some called like spiritually an eternal now. Um, going back to the idea those experiences that are the most enjoyable, the most rapturous. The flow. The flow. Uh, the presence of another in which you lose track of time. Most of the most extraordinary, most of the moments of life that are the moments where we say, this, this is it right here, are, are moments when we have shifted into an eternal now. Conversely, you think about the moments of boredom are generally when you're looking at the clock. Um, it slows down. You become hyper aware of the passage of time. Right. And, and often with boredom, there is, you're thinking about the future or the past. Absolutely. You're, you're back to past, present, there's future. There's usually, in boredom, there's yeah. usually anxiety in there. Absolutely. And then you think about the anxiety of worry which is when you are stuck looping in the future. Regret is when we're stuck looping in the past. Um, and that's different than making plans or making amends. Those are all proactive ways to be fully present. There's something that needs to be cleaned up here so I can be more here. But there's also being stuck too far right. ahead or I think too you far know behind. when you're stuck because... Absolutely. There's a spirit to it. You're unhappy, actually. You're... Yeah, right, because you're, you're not, not at peace. Just here. So maybe that's a good exercise for all of us right now. Like take all plans, uh, money, jobs, interactions. You know what I mean? All that. Right. And just and like, it's like you, you inhale all that stress, tension, worry, and then you exhale it with, but I can only be here. Right. And let's just... Sit on the mountain for a little bit and be on the mountain. Be on the mountain. I think it's, that's why you and I thought we should just start doing podcasts on a regular basis through this because of some sense of let's just be with each other and be with everybody, even in this weird internet 
Rob right. Well, and what I found just, what's nice for me is like when you mentioned grounding in the last mm-hmm, podcast, mm-hmm. then it gave my mind something to chew on. Like, oh, what does grounding mean to me? Yeah. Um, I yeah. I do. I always love that quote by Elizabeth Gilbert about um, shout out to Liz. Yeah. Hey, Liz. I haven't even heard the quote yet. Uh, she said her mind is like an active golden retriever. It does a lot better if she gives it something to chew on. <laughs> That's a good one. I think about that a lot. That's a good one. Like with this. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to yeah. think about grounding. What does that mean to me? Right. In what ways am I not fully present to this moment in all of its uncertainty and instability and low-grade dread and terror. Um, and what and what maze am I not here? And here is always going to be... By the way, can I tell you one thing already in the past week that's helped me? When I have that, like, yikes, what is going on here? I um, call a friend. Yeah, I've noticed that. You notice me calling friends? Yeah. I just call friends that's with what, that's- zero... Sometimes I'll be calling a friend... And I'll be like, I have absolutely no opening line other than, hey, I was thinking about you. Right. I think that's one of the things in your toolbox, if <laughs> I can say that. Oh, you're telling me that I have a t- <laughs> You might not think you have a toolbox, but you do. So I've called friends that I call frequently, but now I've noticed that I'm just dipping into friends a little farther out that I would call a little less likely. Yeah. Like, hey. And you can tell, <laughs> and you know friends, and be like, Rob just must have, but no, but everybody's a little bit, Oh, um, yeah. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. Who doesn't love having somebody call just to say, just want to connect. How are you doing? And, I, and especially last week, calling friends to find out that they were in their houses with their families. It was like incredible, which goes back to presence. I don't need you to fix this. I don't need you to give me solutions. I don't need you to take this away knowing that you're present in it right. with me. And sometimes we, again, just need to remind each other. Like, Presence is the... Every emotion you're feeling is fine. Right, 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 right. Give yourself grace. Take care. Take extra care of yourself right now. Right. Um, don't, don't obsess about the future. This is one of the traps of the modern age, by the way. We should talk about the relationship between the intellect and the heart. Oh, my gosh. That was the next thing on my list. No way, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Was it really? Just, yeah, the heart. I have here that um, the heart is always grounded. Oh. See, everybody, this is how it works. I think that I'm saying something new. I haven't even said it yet, and she's already a step ahead. That's our, that's Well, that's I also knew that we would love talking about this because this has been one of the things we've talked about in our life recently. Endlessly. Yeah. Oh, can I say, okay, are you going to do your thing or am I going to do my thing about that? Go ahead. Okay, this is my thing about that. Okay. We had such an explosion of knowledge and information over the past roughly 500 years, which has been lovely. iPhones, hospitals, airports, luxuries, untold. So, so this explosion, the scientific revolution, data, analysis, research, metrics. Um, but for many people by now, we're the children of this modern age. Information has become... We've even been living through like an information age, literally. That the trap in all of that and more information than ever and more data than ever 
is that becomes the highest, that becomes seen as the gold. Well, what are you suffering from? I've got information about that. Four steps. I Googled it. Three ways. Rub some vinegar on it. Whatever it is. Um, But in, in times of disruption and unsettling, the greatest gift we give each other is presence, first and foremost. We're with each other. So you think about something. You went through something difficult, and when you reflect back on that period, oftentimes the memories that most stand out are the people who simply joined you in it. Oftentimes, subversively, it's the people who didn't have anything to say. They just were present, flesh and blood. Right. It's very very healing. And when you literally say things like, oh, man, having you there made all the difference. But the person didn't take away the pain or the loss. They didn't fix the problem. They didn't suddenly show up and write you a check for all kinds of money. Right. They, they gave you the gift that is the gift that's above and beyond every gift, which is presence. They gave you. It's even interesting how often you can, you can hear on the edges of conversations, people will say, will, will apologize. I'm so sorry to take up so much of your time. Almost because information has been so prized and presence so missed. Um, Apologies for, I know I just kept talking for a while. Yeah, but that's what you needed. And the other person was just present and let you get it all out. They gave you this wonderful gift and now you're apologizing instead of thank you. Right, and right now we need- For being presence. Presence so much. Like it's, it's, uh, it's what, I mean, in my brief witnessing of everything that's going on for us and for the people we're in contact with, like we need strength from each other. Absolutely. Um, there are times when we need some help. We, need, we emotionally dip and we, we reach out or we, um, we allow people to be present with us or we are present to somebody else, but it's... I, I sense more than ever that we need each other in that way. Absolutely. So you think of the Fed slashes the interest rate. People are now putting forth there should be a universal payout of $1,000 or $2,000 to every American. You talk about employers trying to restructure working at home. You talk about the need, uh, the ramping up of manufacturing for ventilators. Like you think about all the very practical things that good people are on and are doing 100 miles an hour, which are needed more than ever. And perhaps we're going to see pop-up hospitals in the near future. Right. Um, or who, who knows? The buying of old motels to right, turn into. Right, right, right. And this kind of innovation and this influx of resource and creativity and science and medicine obviously is like on hyperdrive right now. Mm-hmm. But there's also, we're all in this together. Right. And everything that everybody is feeling, the panic about, What's it going to look like six weeks from now with six weeks of no work or six weeks of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Millions of other people are asking that exact question. So we may not have an answer, but we're all asking the same question. And there is a power in that that is very mysterious. It is. And it's a, I do feel like it's a moving from our minds into our hearts. Yes. And I yeah. think when we make that move, we will find ourselves more grounded. Absolutely. Um, 
the mind creates a lot of anxiety and the heart is that the heart is that feeling of calm that feeling of serenity yeah like yeah we're going to be okay yeah whatever okay looks like yeah and there's that beautiful moment when the heart says to the mind hey 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 hey, hey uh, you serve me <laughs> you work for me pal yeah. Calm down. It works better that way. Calm down with the monkey mind, all the chattering thoughts, all your ability to conjure up worst case scenario situations. Uh, they haven't happened yet. Okay. So return. Return to the return moment. Return to the heart. Or, yeah. The heart or the moment. Yeah. Interchangeable. It's funny over the years when I'll ask you, I always laugh when I ask you, Kristen, will you, will you just tell me everything's going to be fine? Yeah. And then you always smile and you go, Rob, everything's going to be fine. I go, oh, thank you. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'll like ask you to tell me a certain thing and be like, oh, wow. I'm and so then glad it you really makes you feel better. Is that right? It's unbelievable. Yes. It's unbelievable. I, I, I often in talking with people, I'm like, oh, yeah. Is there a thing that you need to hear? Then just ask people around you or your partner. Just ask them, could you please tell me this thing? Yeah. And then they tell you the thing, and then you know why I and think then it, pretend like pretend like you didn't just give them that line. Like I know, they just but came do you know why I think it works? Is because deep down in your own heart, you know it's true. Absolutely, that's why it works. You're even absolutely. when you ask somebody to tell you what you need to hear. Right, right, right. It's why the only guru who can help you is the guru who teaches you you don't need a guru. It's like you're just asking somebody to hold up a mirror. Could you please just hold up a mirror to tell me what I already know? Right, you're saying I. Deep down, I know this, but I'm having a lot of doubts right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in some ways, you think about truth as something that we all carry. And sometimes you need somebody around you who's walking with you, who's holding it up with a little more grace and elegance. Just hold it for a while. Yeah. I like to uh, say what you need to say, you need to be said to you. This is a great mystery. We're, you can see right now, you can see people, you can see the collective working its way into these truths just on the front edge. Um, and of course, like I've been talking on the Robcast forever about how disruptions um, are always the catalyst for new acts of imagination. Um, but you can see the outlines of new imagination here with how we think about healthcare, how we think about safety net, how we think about the vulnerable in our midst how we think about profit. You know what I mean? You can see if if the collective is ready for it. Right. There could be a massive reorganization. A massive rethink. Obviously, the system how... is completely broken. It's broken politically. It's broken economically. What is it? The th three wealthiest Americans have the same net worth as the bottom half of Americans. I mean, you have massive inequality. And for years, lots of people have been saying, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. The way that we've allowed it, there's plenty of money, but it's not, it's stopped up. The political process is controlled by a few. Like we, we, we've had all, we've all been saying this and seeing this for a long time, but now um, yeah. you're, seeing, you're seeing things implode. And it's, you have to be really careful here because you cannot minimize the actual suffering. Um, Right. But it's also the but other things if, in among all that suffering. What if we could organize in a yeah. different way on yeah. the other side of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's great, great wisdom 
lots and lots of people have been saying for a while, this, uh, this isn't working, here's, here's a better way. But as you and I have seen at the personal level, interacting with who knows how many people over the years, and the personal is always the political until you're in enough pain, um, we rarely get the gumption to make the changes needed. Um, but who knows whether this pain is leading to a rethink of everything. Right. Which, yeah, we'll get there. Right, right now it's we're... Like too, it's like too early, in some sense it, it is feels too like it's too Right early. now we're returning to the moment. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> well done. Yes. Oh, end of act two of the episode. Um, so... Although I, I, I have... Do you have another word? Because I have another word. I have another word. Okay. No, I mean not another word. We're still under grounding and we're still under B, but another... <laughs> Another word under, wait, wait. under B, B. Wait, do you mean like you have an, a point A and a point B? Well, yeah, if I, <laughs> if I, if I had an outline, this would be, well, B would be Roman numeral one. You all, you all, it's very clear to you that Kristen Bell and then there would be has a, been an a, amazing student, right? You know that, a, right? A, B, C. I think we're on capital D. Do you know that student who broke the curve? <laughs> like they'd hand out the exams and there'd be like the test result you got and then there'd be like that student. Oh, come on. Who broke the curve, and you're like, who is that person? I married that person, just for oh, the record. Come on. Just casual notes about a, what is it, a Wednesday podcast episode. Well, I don't <laughs> it's actually so have it outlined. See, I like have been that, the beneficiary but... of this organization. She runs the show here, as you can tell, obviously. So that's just beautiful. But I, the fact that you did B, God, that is awesome. And yeah, I didn't even you listen, I didn't even know what you said when you said B, because I was so thrilled with this level of intention. What was the word? You know what? Being organized is a way that calms my active mind. So, yeah. And, and yeah. actually, I recently That's came really across this, um, this observation that in this time, we all have our strengths. Like, we all have our, the ways that we are dealing with this, um, our strengths that we offer, and the diversity of strengths is actually a really beautiful thing. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the way that we can lean on each other for strength. Yeah. So you can make fun of me for being organized. Oh, no, that was all but... celebration. <laughs> okay. Everybody knows I was celebrating. Because no, I've been the, re the recipient of I know you're not making fun of me. 20 but... whatever years of this. Just the fact that you've... That's so fantastic. Okay, so uh, what, uh, point okay, B. Okay, so I think this would be D. Capital D. <laughs> under... Roman numeral one, which is B, <laughs> B E, being, oh, oh, being. Oh. Oh. I know that was a little confusing. God, I'm, I, yeah, okay, a got little it. confusing. Got it. Okay, but one of the ways, <laughs> um, one of the ways I think we find grounding in our life um, is through nature, uh, which includes animals. And I was actually going to ask you to do another little Bible thing if it, if it sparks for you. But how often did Jesus mention nature and the animals? Like a lot of, it seems like a lot of his teachings, he said, look at the birds of the air. Absolutely. Or the field, or it seems like there were a lot of um, examples about how nature is a healer, is, is a, vehicle of grounding. Absolutely. I mean, and you think, I mean, you, 
you go to the Amazon where the plants are talking. I mean, the whole traditions um, within the human family where, yeah, 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 of course, the trees told us that, the plants told us that. You go back earlier to agricultural societies where the seasons were how you thought about everything. A calendar is actually a relatively new idea of like what year it is. For most of human history, like what year is it? People will be like, what do you... What do you mean? What year is it? Like you know, like what number has been assigned to this particular revolution around the sun? People are like, what are you talking about? All you had were the seasons, which were, is it planting? Is it harvesting? Is everything lying fallow because it's winter? You know what I mean? Like nature was the thing. Uh, there was no concrete. Uh, most of human history, the truths were shouting. The heavens are declaring the truth. Like everything around you is telling you. You're reading the stars. You're, the plants are talking to you. The seasons are telling you what to do when. Um, even like an eight or a 10 hour workday, brand new idea. Um, it was, well, what's presenting itself today? Oh, we need to pay attention to the grapes. Okay, let's do that. How long will it take? I don't know. We'll just do it till it's done. Then it'll be done. <laughs> so, yeah, your grounding was in the very real processes that were unfolding around you. Right, so the things that are literally coming out of the ground. Exactly. And all should the we... systems that are in place so things come out of the ground. <laughs> right, right, right. And you even think about sleep. Should we sleep? Well, where is the sun? Oh, it just went down and it's dark. Yeah, let's go to sleep. Should we wake? Like everything is, is showing you where you fit and how it works and what to do. And this is not to idealize as if there wasn't violence and all sorts of things, but um, you make a, that's a really, well, really Well, I'm just profound. saying, I think one of the reasons why in this time and place we are feeling so ungrounded Yes, is because we have lost our connection to nature. Absolutely. You, could, you, you can um, spend most of the year breathing year breathing air that's been run through machines like like I cannot wait to get out in the water this afternoon and there'll be the tide tide will be high it'll be low uh, there'll be a there'll be some sort of wind texture on the waves there'll be a small swell a big swell a medium swell it'll come from the north it'll come from the south it'll all all get in the ocean and all this information will be coming to me about what the ocean's doing and then they'll they'll was the wet is the wind picking up or not is the swell and the tide is it is it produced like all of that will uh will it will root me in something larger than myself because otherwise i mean much especially over the past couple hundred years has been human beings conquering these rhythms We'll sleep when we want. We'll wake right, when we want. We'll goes, put pavement on top of which whatever. Which goes we want. back to our the thing that we were talking about in the beginning: our need to accomplish, our desire to accomplish, Con yeah, and conquer, and yeah. to um, we want to get less sleep so that we can get more done. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, right. And in the process, we lose our and and. I think that grounding represents so many different things to different people, but like grounding to me is like my connection to my life force. Like absolutely, it's, it's um, it's flow. It's the moment. It's the depth of life. 
all of that to me is wrapped up in being grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, I was even thinking about nature and in terms of like our animals, our pets, because if you're, if you're around an animal that you love, like you notice they're not worried about the future. Have you noticed in the evenings when we put Violet to bed, how often we all end up on the floor of her room with the dog? Gathered around the dog. Yeah. Like last night I had my hand on the dog and she was laying next to the dog on the floor right before bed. And I was like, this dog is like, this dog isn't doing a thing. And this dog is like really doing something for our family. Right. Let animals give their gift, which is (laughs) being present. They're present. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they slow us down and they, they connect us to our hearts, the moment. Yeah. Nature, the rhythms. Yeah. That's what dolphins, because dolphins are usually they're in the water when I'm surfing. And uh, this happened a couple years ago for the first time. A dolphin, uh, dolphins are always amazing. They, you know, they're like, they're never not like, oh. They always fill you with awe. But I was just, I became absolutely overwhelmed with the fact that this dolphin was just dolphining. It was like the dolphin was like, hey, Rob Bell, check this out. I'm just dolphining. Yeah. Yeah. Not trying to be anything other than dolphin. You should try it. Right. Just try being Rob Bell. Right. And doesn't it seem like the weirdest imaginary conversation with this dolphin that went by? This is. Don't uh, they say. Seven years ago, maybe. That there's no like practical purpose for why they jump in the air. Like they literally jump in the air for joy. This happened, I think it was last week. They were jumping. And instead of just swimming through, they were just in a circle where they start to churn up the water and jumping out of the water and churning it up. And you. Uh, you like look at the other surfers in the water and everybody's just smiling. Like you, it is just, it does something at some deep level of, of the soul to see that. To see a dolphin just jump for joy. It's just, and I'm and sure there's some, uh, uh, marine biologist who would explain that it's an evolutionary response based on a feeding mechanism. But I'm sure there, I'm sure there's some, I don't know. Um, there's also a part of you that goes, yeah, it's also just, Poetry. Right. <laughs> whatever. Right. Don't, don't rob all the. Whatever biological explanation is, it's also just unabashed poetry. I mean, it's you've just... seen our dog jump in circles. <laughs> does she do that for some biological <laughs> evolutionary reason? Or does she sometimes just get overcome <laughs> with her, with her right. happiness? Right, right, right. Right, right. Like when she was like, spinning in circles in the like living room. Like I the get to jump. I'm a dog. <laughs> Check me out. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if this is a good spot to wrap things up or we should Oh, I have another word. Oh, I have one, another one too. No way. Yeah. Oh my word, you came ready to go. Okay. No, go ahead. You first. Okay. This is um This is a this is a practice for these strange days that we're in. When something like this comes along, um, in the same way that the dread of this virus can be like a magnet that pulls up other dread, in the same way that somebody dies, somebody famous dies, and it pulls up all the grieving, that's ungrieved grief that's in a person, 
uh, these larger experiences often act like magnets to pull resonant, unexpressed similarities that are within you. So somebody famous dies and, and it pulls up all this grief that you haven't grieved about loss in your own life. Uh, you experience dread of a coming pandemic, which you don't know what it's going to bring. It can pull out all kinds of dread that's within a person. Dread about the frailty, the fragility, the um, precarious nature of life, the existential edge that we actually live on. So um, what can off what you can see happening now, like in the in the sort of collective conscious or unconscious, is this sense of this thing has come and we are there are elements of disempowerment to this. It's happening to us. Right. We have no control. And we're all responding to something that happened to us. Um, and what that can easily create is a sense of disempowerment. Look at what's happening to us. Look what's being done to us. Look what we have no control over. And while there are things in life that happen to us that we never would have chosen, that simply it's reality. It is what is. The great spiritual practice in the midst of something like this is to remember that you always, 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 always have some form of power. So um, there is the act. There is the thing happening. There is the disruption. And then there is how you respond to it. And right. how you respond to it is an exercise of your power. Right. So Which for, I immediately thought of Nelson Mandela in prison. Absolutely. Let's let's become educated. Let's become eloquent. Right. Let's become articulate. Let's become versed in history. With all of these limitations, what do I have? What do I have? Absolutely. And you can see it, it exists in the... It's a moving of the subtle energies within the heart. This shift, the shift from disempowered to empowered. Um, it can sometimes be, be like a, a millimeter difference in the soul. But it's the tiny, it's like the Archimedean point in which the whole universe, the fulcrum point in which you can tilt the whole universe. And I can often, no, you can, I can notice it uh, in people. It's like you're picking up the subtle energies they're living from. Because there's actually these deep, deep places that, that actually affect every decision we make and everywhere we go and everything we do. And, and when, you come to, when you come to see how disempowerment feels, you can spot it. And when you see somebody move from disempowered to empowered, um, it's, uh, it's one of the most joyous experiences. And, and what, what I've noticed again and again is very educated sometimes wealthy, accomplished, traveled people can actually have profound disempowerment. So you can see it in subtle edges of language, like this is just how it is. Um, you know, that's just here to stay. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it, it often hangs around the edges of language, and oftentimes people aren't even aware that it's there. And when you can just slow down, be present, and go, hold on a second... Is there some other way to think about that? Do you have any options? Do you have any power here? Can you control how you respond to that? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, so you aren't a victim. So you aren't fully disempowered here. This, right. thing, this thing doesn't have all the power. So this virus has a tremendous amount of power right now. 
in our world. It's doing what it's doing. Right. Um, and what that can easily do for in the disempowerment of, oh, there's no more work for you here. Uh, your kids are just going to need to be home, and if you need to go work to get enough money, and the kids are figure that out. That can easily put the put everybody on their heels. Like this is happening to us. There's nothing we can do. Um, and and the great spiritual practice is to locate within that wherever you can. How do I have power? Um, what can I control here? How can I work with this? Right. Um, Even if it's power over our own thoughts. Absolutely. I can think this about this. I could also think something else. If you go all the way, all the way to <clears throat> your control over the next thought or your ability to even observe the next thought. Right. Um, which is why the, the powerful, well, I'm really, really feeling helpless right now. Oh, I can witness to that feeling. Oh, look, helplessness. Right. That itself is a move to empower. Oh, I was going to say, as soon as you witness something, you are in a seat of power. Absolutely. So you can see how it goes. It goes all the way to the very framing of the consciousness. Right. How... So you don't have to, like, succeed. You don't have to no. move from, like, no. anxious to complete serenity. Right, 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 right. You can move from, like, anxious to, oh, wow, look, I'm really anxious. And that itself is a move from disempowered to empowerment. Look, I don't have to become these feelings. I can let these feelings freely move, come and go within me. I've just forgotten that we're under some sort of self-quarantine, self social distancing. Like, you, hey, look at that, for four hours there. And now the feeling has just come back. We might be here for a long time. What am I going to do? I'm running out of books to read. Hold on, hold on. I can just witness to that. Right. All of it. That's, oh, yeah, look at that. That's really good. Um, and that is... It's once again musculature. This is a muscle that this experience is inviting all of us um, to, to for that muscle to grow. And once you spot it, once once you once your radar is gets tuned in, you can spot it everywhere. Um, the, the the you you can spot the power that people have that they don't realize they have. Um, I, I'm, so we're doing a collective practice here. Absolutely. My sense is you and I will return to this again and again because this is the, to me, is this yeah. is the thing that is the thing in the air. It's the great invitation in the air. What, what would you, how would you define that, the great invitation in the air? Do you mean to return that with every to the catastrophe, moment? That with every catastrophe, every disruption, every unsettling... Um, there's always something lurking in it. So you have to grieve, fight it, organize, innovate, um, get angry at all the right things. But then there's always somewhere in the midst of it, uh, there's an invitation to a new consciousness. It's always how it works. And, and, and it's, you have to be very, very, very delicate in talking about that because sometimes we're grieving and no talk about what this might lead to because right now we're just grieving. Right. And right now we're scared. Right now we're terrified. Right now it's all hands on deck. We are extra hours to get on top of this thing. There's no talk of... so so. Even, and we're just witnessing what is. We're just witnessing what is. And that's why it's very, it's very important not to go to, hey, this thing, this thing is going to turn out okay. Right. No. This don't is be, what I'm learning. Right, right, right. No, no, no. Or, hey, you know, there's a great invitation lurking in this can be really um, offensive. 
So that's why I say it with like lots of disclaimers around it. But in this specific case, what we're talking about with disempowerment is right here, right now. Are there ways, and maybe if you frame it like the question turning into a mantra, are there ways in which I have unnecessarily surrendered to this idea that something is happening, nothing I can do about it. And somewhere in there, there are things I can do. Right. And I find those. Um, and in doing that, I move from disempowered to empowered. And that, that, can, that, is, that makes all the difference, literally. But you have... You know what? I think that we will save the next one oh. for the next podcast. Oh, Kristen Bell leaving us. Grounding part two <laughs> for the next podcast. But I do have something I want to read. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have this Mary Oliver poem from her collection of poems called Devotions. The book is called Devotions. It's a collection of her poems and the title of the poem is Loneliness. I too have known loneliness. I too know what it's like to feel misunderstood, rejected, and suddenly not at all beautiful. Oh, Mother Earth, your comfort is great. Your arms never withhold. It has saved my life to know this. Your rivers flowing your roses opening in the morning. Oh, motions of tenderness. I don't want to see anything after that. That was awesome. Yeah, for me, that's, that's what grounding is. It's a, it's a returning, it's a remembering, it's a letting nature do its mystical thing. Mm, yeah. That's really beautiful. So to all our friends out there everywhere, Rob here, Kristen, sending you yeah. our love, grace, peace, hopes for your grounding, empowerment, presence, Yes. I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. Grace and peace, everybody. Grace and peace. Talk soon.